0: All right, and good morning. We are so glad that you are here today. Thank you for coming. Great crowd. I was back there and staying with Bill. I love sitting on the front row, and uh, but sometimes I like to step back and look at y'all and listen to y'all. And today was one of those days, and you were worshiping so well and singing so well, and uh, so thank you so much for that. And thank you again for being here. We are here, and we are celebrating Mother's Day, and we want to talk about love today and you know it's really on all of earth it seems like a mother's love physically is about one of the greatest loves that there is um it was about two jeez i think it was two months ago and and i was sitting in my office you know and and doing the ponder thing and so i heard carletta hanks out in the office i think she was talking to barbara and um i said hey Y'all got any ideas why I can preach on Mother's Day? <laughs> yeah, it's really one of those ones that's kind of difficult. I used to think Mother's Day was the time to tell women how they ought to live. I learned that at work. So, so, so we don't do that anymore. But I say, hey, you know what? And, so, and I think Carla said something like, well, I've got this book. And um, it turns out, I guess it's a classic. I didn't heard it heard it before. Um, Love You Forever. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you mamas have heard of it, I know, my daughter said, you've never heard of this, Dad, this is one of my classics, I've got a copy of this book. But anyway, it's a great story about a new mom, and, and she progresses through her son's life as he grows up, and she sings something to him, I'll save that just for a moment, um, but then the really awe moment is she gets older, and then the son takes care of her and sings the same words over her. It's really special. But, but the first page is here, and I know you probably can't see that, but anyway, it says, "A mother held her new baby and very slowly rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she held him, she sang, "I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. as long as I'm living, my baby." you'll be. It's a beautiful picture of of what we celebrate today. See to us, to us, this isn't just Mother's Day. It's Mothering Day. Because we, we learned several years ago that, you know, not, not, first of all, you know, we are so grateful for those, you know, moms who by natural birth or by adoption or maybe even a foster parent. We appreciate that, but we realize that, that you know, so many women who may have never given birth or never adopted or never, you know, um, fostered a child, they, they have this wonderful love still that they share with others. And how many times have you heard this said before, you know, she, she, she loved me. She was like another mom to me. She loved me like my mother. And it just seems like, as someone said, you know, mother, mothers have that gift, that ability. Even, I should say, women, ladies have that gift of sharing a mother's love. And that's what we celebrate today. And, and again, you know, that's big. But beyond that, the sermon title, beyond that is a greater love even than that. And that is the love of God. You know, again, the songs, Trey, Trey just, you know, we chat every week and, and, you know, and the songs he picks to me are just, are just amazing, amazing. The second one was really good. You know, it said, how great, how great, how great is your love? How great, how great is your love for me? And I realized that that can be a question or it can be a statement. It's a great statement. How great, how great, how great is your love for me? What a great statement, but it also could be a question. Have you ever pondered that? Just just how great is God's love for you? Just how great is God's love for you? Well, I hope by the time we get to end the message today that you'll have a a new picture perhaps of understanding just how great um, God's love is is for you. Our scripture is Isaiah 49 verses 13 through 16. Isaiah 49, 13 through 16. And by the way, in case I haven't said it in a while, you know, if you've got the Version app, you can go there and go to a more open events and you'll have all the scriptures and slides there on your smart device. And that will help you retain the message today. And you can put also put some notes um, in there. So, so how great is this love? Well, it would make sense that a love as great as the love of God has to begin with worship. It's so great, it's so awesome, it has to begin with a call to worship. And that's what happens in Isaiah 49, 13. Now, the prophet begins by saying, wow, this is how great this is. Well, look at the verse. It says, sing for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, mountains. See this. What we have here now. Write this down. Is nature's praise team? I so appreciate our praise team. They do so well, and they, they lead us to this throne of grace. Well, God has this wonderful praise team, and it consists of nature. Sing for joy, O oh heavens! You know, Psalm 19.1 says, "The heavens declare, the heavens declare the glory of God and the majesty of it." I mean, it probably won't be clear today, but sometime this week, we're going to have clear skies. And I just, I just want to challenge you to do something. Step outside, get away as much light as you can, get enough darkness as you can, and just look at the heavens. And if you listen carefully, it's almost as if you can hear them singing, praise us to God. Praise us to God. The heavens declare the majesty and the greatness of God. And then, and then um, rejoice, O earth. Rejoice, O earth. And Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. But not only just the earth and the fullness of it and all of it is. And if you listen carefully, if you see the majesties and the trees and the mountains, and that one last song there just so well described this great love of God and compared it to several things in nature. The earth is singing the praises of God. Look, look at the majesty of a mountain. Look at the quietness of a beautiful stream. And be amazed as as God's worship team leads us in worship through the earth. And then said, um, burst into song, O mountains. Burst into song, O mountains. You know, there's a verse tucked away in Nahum. And that's really not where I go too often for a sermon. But in Nahum 1.5, it says, the mountains quake before him. The mountains, these mighty, majestic mountains, they shake in reverence to God. So, so when it comes to speaking about what we're going to talk about today, you know, the prophet just seems to be saying, Oh wow, oh wow, heavens rejoice, earth rejoice, and mountains all rejoice. Now, a great tag-in to that is the scripture found in, in Psalm 96, 1 and 2. It's just a great scripture that talks about worshiping God and teaches us. Because I think sometimes we need to be taught about worship. Well, in Psalm 96, 1 and 2, we start out with, Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing a new song to the Lord. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17, if any person, if any man, if any woman, if any child be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is passed away, and behold, the, the new has come. And so when we've trusted Christ, okay, as a newbie, as a newbie, then we have a new song to sing. Now, I don't know what your old song was. It, can, you know, it could be something like, ain't no sunshine when she's gone, boom, boom, boom. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone, and she's gone all of the time. Maybe a song like that. and Or, I'm so lonesome, I could cry. Could be a song like that. But the great part is is when Jesus comes into your life he gives you a new song and I promise you it's not you know I'm so lonesome I could cry and it's not there ain't no sunshine when she's gone it's a song of joy and praise to a God who loves us so much loves us so much sing a new song to the Lord uh, let the whole earth sing to the Lord if 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 the first part Talks about the, the newness, the newness, then the second one talks about the vastness. You know, I often wonder why is there so much in the world of worship? Why, why are there songs like Love Lifted Me? And, and why are there songs that talk about nature uh, and, and worship? And why is there another song that says, you know, you know, how great is his love for me? Why, why all of that? You don't know why? The reason why is is that this great love of God and this great God we love is so vast, it needs a vastness of worship. You know, what a boring world it would be if whoever wrote the alphabet decided that five letters would be enough. Or if they said, you know what, we don't need 26 letters. All we need is 10. And trying to describe all the things that we know and love with just 10 letters, it just wouldn't work. And I'm just about convinced and by the way, this is not a new phenomenon. If you'll look through, through the ages at worship, you'll see different kinds of songs have come along. And there's a great vastness in the, in the worship and the songs that have been written. And it's because God is so vast. His worship, you know, his, he is so big that the worship of him... Needs to be big. You, you see that in the book of Psalms. The Jewish hymn book. There's all kind of different Psalms written. Because he's such a big and vast God. So, so sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord and praise his name. Do you see that now? Now it's time to call attention. That triplet. Do you see it? To the Lord. To the Lord. Sing to the Lord. To the Lord. That teaches us the direction of our worship the direction of our worship is to him worship is about him it's not about us it's about him we sing to the lord because that is the direction that the holy spirit will draw us into our worship and then he gives us the purpose is to praise his name did you realize that that when you come in here, and, and whether it be your prayer time at home, whether it be your quiet time at home, whether it be here singing corporately, or whether you're out on a trail somewhere just singing praises to the Lord, okay? It's all about him. It's never, it's never, never never about us. It's about him. John Piper, well, uh, he said something really good. Uh, John Piper said this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Isn't that great? So 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 again, God is God is most glorified when we're satisfied. The old song says, "I am satisfied with Jesus." And the more satisfied we are with Jesus, the more we can truly glorify Him. Glorify Him. See, we've got to always remember that our best worship, our best worship, doesn't depend on the music. It depends on our hearts. And our best worship is rooted in gratitude. I can promise you something. Would you like me to promise you something? That no matter what church you go to, what denomination, if you walk into that building or wherever it might be, and your heart is filled with gratitude for this, and the man who hung on this cross, and the price he paid for your salvation... And the wonderful gifts that he has given to us as we journey through life with him. If we'll enter in with that gratitude, every worship service is powerful. Amen. Our worship that is rooted in gratitude becomes powerful. Our, our best worship is when we are grateful. And our worst worship is when we're centered on us. It's not. It's, 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 I'm telling you, this is powerful truth. It's powerful truth. We've got to learn to make sure that we focus on Jesus. Every time, every place, we always focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in Psalm 96, the second part of of verse number 2 and verse number 3, and it's, again, this is like, I said, oh, oh, this is is a message we need to preach preach by itself. Uh, These 96, 2 and 3. But look at this last part of 2 and and 3. Each day, how often? Come on, you knew better than that. How often? Each day. each day. Yeah, each day. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Wow, you think that was written somewhere like by Paul. And here it is written by the prophet Isaiah years before, I knew years, decades, centuries, millennia before Christ. Before Christ. Each day proclaim. That word proclaim is like the word publish. You know, back in the old days, now, you younger folks, you, you don't know this, okay? I, I understand, okay? So, so, back when I was young, er, young, er, okay? Yeah, we had, we had newspapers. You, you all have newspapers? Do you know, they used to deliver those things to our house? Yeah, you know, the paper guy would throw one in our yard. It's really, yeah, they did this. They really did. And, and you actually, like, read them, you know? And so, and by the way, the one thing I liked about newspapers... They're always bundled with rubber band. And you get like 10 rubber bands together, you can pop people with it. <laughs> I was a little devil when I was a kid. I once, there's this once this lady in the grocery store. Yeah, I shot her in the bottom with a rubber band. Dad was kind of mad at me. But I did that. I did it regardless. But anyway, so back when these newspapers were were there, you know, you would hear the words, you know, extra, extra, read all about it. And then the big news story, you know, the war's over in Europe. The war in Vietnam is over. So-and-so is elected to this office, that. But it was always a big deal. It was extra, extra, read all about it. And then, and, then, and then, like, even now, I guess even now, you, you watch the network shows, you know, the news shows. And I know, like, Channel 12 will interrupt, okay, and, and go, like, breaking now. Breaking news. Like, it's big headlines. It's big headlines. Breaking news. Same, all this, you know, this proclaim idea. Now, we do Facebook, you know. Like, what if there's really big news like Joe ate corn today? You know, Face News, Facebook News, Big News, Joe Acorn. But we still do it. The bottom line is this. Every day we've got to publish, proclaim the good news that he does what? He saves. He rescues. He re- and see, this, this is what you're talking about, Regina. That's what you're talking about. He's a saving God. Listen, we've got to quit talking so much about what we're against and start talking about what we're for. We spend so much air talking about what we're opposed instead of talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords who died that people like us could be saved. That's big news. That's big news and it's great news. Proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Get the word out. Get the word out. Not about bad. I always say this, this is my, one of my gigs. You know. No. Not necessarily about church. No. Not about church. And not about religion even. Man. You know. About him. His glorious deeds. His glorious deeds. Tell everyone. How many? Yeah. Everyone. Tell everyone about the amazing things that he does. Listen. Someone said, and I meant to get the reference, and I've used it before, but I can't remember who said it, one of our old-time missionary guys. You know, the good news is only good news if it gets there in time. I'm telling you, the clock is ticking on America. You know, you go to England, a country that once was so strong in the Christian faith, and now so many doors are closed. And America's is heading down that same path. So the clock is ticking. Now, I'm not saying we're going to lose our right to preach but we might lose a listening ear. So now's the time. Now's the time we need to tell everyone about about the amazing things. How great is our God, how great is his love. Tell the tell the the broken uh, young lady who's wrestling with abortion or, or the, the man over here with an addiction or, or the student, the student at school who's struggling with, with their identity of who they are uh, you know, in high school. Man, tell them all, listen, tell the amazing things that God does. That's what it's all about. The, the purpose of the church is to tell, is to tell. Christine Kane uh, quoted and said this, you know, First, she says, tag, we are it. Now, you, that goes back to, you remember those games you used to play? You know, and you would tag, you're it, and tag, you're it, and tag, you're it. Well, you know, we are, remember, there's one it, okay? See, see, we are the proclaimers of the gospel. God, we are plan A, and God doesn't have a plan B, okay? He's not going to send a, 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 a host of angels to the sky to proclaim the gospel, in his, in his sovereignty, he chose us. He chose us. And there is no plan B. So, so, you know, Tagret, God has plucked us out of eternity. I love that. You know, you mentioned, Regina mentioned, you know, chosen before the foundation of the world. He has plucked us out of eternity, positioned us in the time, and commissioned us to share the good news of the gospel to our generation. I'm telling you what, if you're concerned, we're going to spend the whole month of July talking about, can God bless America again? Don't miss the series. Don't miss the series. Okay. But this generation, this generation, this generation needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And almost equally as important, they need to hear it from our lips, but they need to see it in our lives. They need to see it in our lives. So God has plucked us out of eternity, positioned us in time, and commissioned us to share the good news. Um, here's, a, here's a verse I want to share with you. Actually, it's 3 from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 18, 19, and 20. I'll slow down so you can hear clearly. Now, all things are of God. Now, all things are of God. Who has reconciled—you know the word reconciles, to bring back together, okay? Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ— and then, listen to this, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's the plan A. That's the plan A. He, recon, he reconciled us, and then he gives us the ministry to be reconcilers, to bring others back to God. Verse 19, that is that God was in Christ reconciling, bringing together the world to himself. Now listen, listen, shh, let me slow down. Not imputing not adding to their account their trespasses to them. Oh, I love that. Wow. And has committed us, committed to us the word of reconciliation. Then he goes, now now then we are ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ as though God was pleading through us. As God was pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled God. What a, what a privilege, privilege that we have as he has allowed us to be the plan A for sharing the gospel. So finally, and now in 49, 13, the second part, let me read the first part again. Sing to joy, O heavens, rejoice, O earth, burst into song, O mountains. And here's the why. Here's the why. For, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their suffering. Now, this is, boy, this is hot off the press news, that this God that we love and that we serve, okay, one, is a comforting God. The world needs to know that. They've been taught, okay, and frankly, they probably picked some of it up from from religion, okay, that God is this light bolt throwing, can't wait to smite you God. And they forget about the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever bleed to him should not perish but have everlasting life. They forgot that. He brings comfort. The word comfort ties in with the word empathy. And empathy means to share feelings and understanding. Does your mind get blown when you think about there's a God who shares our feelings and understanding? I mean the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we have this high priest. We have this high priest, and and he is, you know, he identifies, he, he identifies with our weaknesses because he was tempted like we are, yet without sin. God gets you. God understands you. He feels, he hurts for you and with you. And we'll have compassion. You know what compassion is, don't you? It's love in action. See, God didn't just talk about loving us. He sent His Son, Jesus, into this world. And Jesus died for us. But God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the kind of love we're talking about. Now, this comfort thing is bigger than you think. Um, Paul penned up in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 this idea of this comforting God. This, you know, comforting God. And I'm going to try to, I'm going to help you today understand why does God allow things in our life? Well, all praise to God. How much praise? See, Paul went right along with Psalms. He said, now, if all praise goes to God, how much praise goes to us? Well, none. See, worship is all about Him. Okay? So all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father. He's our Abba Father. And again, I use it in my writings, okay? He is my dearest Daddy. I mean, no disrespect for that. I'm just trying to get the word out that He is a loving, loving Father. He, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. In a world that's so disjointed, in a world that's so broken, He is the source of all comfort. Now, look at verse number 4. He comforts us in all our troubles. Now, you might want to underline that. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. I'm convinced of something, and that is this, that God sometimes allows difficulty, sufferings into our life for a very special reason— and it is that he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. I, how many times? And the last time I heard it, it wasn't me talking. The person was talking to me. You know, the fact that God had allowed them to go through this so that they could comfort someone else. I mean, we could talk all day. I could talk all day about the wonders of childbirth. I ain't going to experience that. Okay? It's not going to happen. But someone who's gone through that can really identify. A woman's expecting a child and really can identify with that. And boy, I I thought about when you said about abortion. You know, one of the wonders that, you know, God can bring this healing and, you know, they can can talk to someone who's gone through that, okay, And, and share with them about that. So I think sometimes God allows these troubles to come so we can be ministers. So we can minister. I mean, goodness, have any of you been blessed by the life of Job? I mean, all this tragic stuff comes in the life of Job. And then we get to the end of the story and God gives him seven times as much as he had. Yeah. Amen. And we look at that and we go, oh, I understand. You know, there's a quote, I don't like it. Okay, but I just got a stinking suspicion it's true. So I'm, I'm going to use it, and then we'll, we'll just use it. Here's an A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer is one of those plain Jane, just great preachers from days gone by. A.W. Tozer said, It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Yeah, that, that goes over like sauerkraut. It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply or allowed him to be hurt deeply, if that makes it more palatable for us. But can we be honest? I know I've been doing this for 41 years, and, and we, I have seen, and I guess to some degree I've experienced some of the difficulties, and I hear it over and over again. I hear the truth. That is something I could have learned only through the valley. It's something I learned about God. I learned to trust God only because of the valley. And there are some things things that God wants to bring us through and to that we can only prepare us through going through a difficult time. Now, we don't want that. I'm just telling you the truth. I've got a stinking suspicion he's exactly right. His name was Lazarus. He was about dead. And in fact, he did die. Jesus got word, hey, the man you love is really sick. And the Bible says Jesus hung around for a couple more days. And so finally, Jesus said, well, Lazarus is asleep. And all the disciples said, ho, ho, that's good news. Because you see, if, if he's sleeping, that means he's going to get better. And Jesus said, "Now you're misunderstood. And finally he said it plainly, the scriptures say, Lazarus has died. And then you know what Jesus said? I am glad for your sake that he died. So you could believe. See, the deal was, Mary and Martha were looking for a healing I guess Lazarus was too The boys said, "Well, that's what you do so well. you heal people." And the big thing was is that Jesus was not planning a healing. He was planning a resurrection. And that could only happen if Lazarus died. And I'm trying to tell you, God may allow things in your life that can only bring the result God wants through a difficult time. You just got to believe that He's not a bad God, because He is not. Well, Jerusalem, they didn't like Ebedeuto's either, because they said in verse number 15, you know. Yet Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Ever feel that way? You're struggling to believe in God, aren't you? Some of y'all are struggling. And he's saying, Dwayne, the reason I'm struggling, because it sure seems like he walked away from me. When I, when I needed him the most, he was not there. When my child was sick, or my husband was sick, or my marriage was about to crash, or when my career was going down the tubes. It just seemed like he deserted me. In fact, it seems like he forgot me. Here comes God with one word in verse number 15. Never. Now, you write that down. See, some of y'all have a tendency to believe your circumstances over the word of God. Can I say that again? Some of us seem to believe circumstances over the word of God. And the word of God says, hey, listen here. They said said, the Lord's deserted us. The Lord's forgotten us. And God said, no. Ain't going to happen. Not and never. It's not going to happen. And you've got to believe that. That as a child of God, he is not going to desert you. No matter how bad you mess up. He's not going to desert you. He's not going to kick you to the side like a bag of of refuge. He loves you too much to do that. He will never, never forget you. What's our teaching point? Never. In the times of God's great silence. You've had them, haven't you? i had them. My prayer life is still in repair mode. Sometimes, at least, I feel like He's listening, and sometimes I still—I don't know. I told you that Sunday. Sometimes it just feels that way. That great time of silence. You remember the kids, the Israelites, the children of Israel? Yeah. Do you remember how long they sat in Egypt, and they thought God didn't care, and God wasn't listening anymore? Four hundred years. Four hundred years. Had God forgotten them? Had God ignored them? No, no. When the time came, here, God raises up a guy named Moses. He goes in and declares to Pharaoh, set my people free, and they march out with booty to boot. You remember when the last dot was put in Malachi in our Old Testament? The end? No, no word? How long was that? How long before God spoke again? Yeah, 400 years. 400 years, the people of Israel go, what happened to God? What happened to God? And boy, when he spoke, he shouted, Jesus. That's a good place for an amen. Jesus. The cross. Salvation. Hope. Jesus. In the times of God's great silence in your life, It may seem that he's ignoring us or has forgotten us. Both are impossibilities. He cannot forget, and he refuses to ignore. How powerful a truth is that? You need to know this, because you're in the midst of a storm right now. And it seems like God's walked away, and he hasn't. He refuses to do that. Well, we're going to have to move along pretty quick. And it, yeah, thank you, brother. Ezra will stay if nobody else will. I like that. And Isaiah forty-nine fifteen, you know, we have two hypothetical questions. We, you know, we have you know un, unlikely, highly unlikable scenarios, like, likely scenarios. You know, can a mother forget her nursing child? Well, and, you know the no. Even in these crazy times, no. Highly unlikely that a mother forget the child at her breast. Okay, well, well, can she feel no love for the child she has born? Well, even now, highly unlikely. Okay, improbable. But look what God says. Even if that were possible, I would not forget you. Are you believing this yet? God is not going to forget you. You know, we all... We all know that in families, there are favorites. You know, I love parents say, there's no favorites. Yes, there are. I know because I was the one. I was number eight of eight. I was precious. That's what they called me. Oh, there's precious. Okay. They saved the best for last. Okay. All right. My parents would never forget me. They might forget number three. He was not, well, he wasn't precious. You feel that way about God. Yeah, Dwayne, you're a preacher. God won't forget you. God won't forget you. He will not forget you. He's not a keeping score God. When Jesus died for you and your sins were forgiven, He doesn't keep score. He don't need to keep score. He saved you because He loved you. He saved you because He loved you, not because you were worthy. Not because you were worthy telling you, it's amazing, this wonderful love. Can a mother forget her nursing child? No. Can she feel no love for a child? No. Even if it were possible, I would not forget you. What's our teaching point? Our teaching point is this. One of the greatest loves on earth is that of a mother. Like God, it often extends beyond her own. We talked about that at the beginning of the message. To those around her, unlike God, hers is not perfect, nor can it be. His is is perfectly human, as he was, and perfectly divine, as he was. A perfect, perfect love. And so we finally get down to verse number 16. And this answers the question, how great, how great, how great is your love for me? Okay, God, how great is your love for me? And there it is. And there it is. See, God says, I have written you, I'm sorry, I've written your name on the palms of my hands. I have written your name on the palms of my hands. This is a great scripture. And the cool part is, you don't even have to stretch it to make it work. The word word written there is the word. Some translations or Hebrew translations uses the word um, engraved, engraved. And some of the words, the translations use the word carved, carved, carved your name, engraved your name. And and what God is saying to, to the chosen people, you know, Israel, he's saying, look, I can't forget you. Look at my hands. You're, you're, you're carved. You're engraved in my hands. And then we fast forward. Why is that true for us? Yeah, buddy. It sure is. It's true. They, they drove the nails really probably through the wrist of the Lord Jesus and through his feet. And his love for mm, His love for us is carved in the hands of Jesus. His love for you is carved in the hands of Jesus. Our teaching point says this. You know, one day we're going to leave all our scars behind. Isn't that good news? All the pain, suffering, and sorrow is going to be left behind for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. The only scars in heaven will be his. The only scars in heaven will be his. Inscribed in the hands of Jesus is one eternal message. I love you. I love you. And, you know, if, if you take the story of Thomas in the New Testament, we have pretty good evidence that those scars will be there. You know, you know Jesus' resurrected body Resurrect, note that, goes through body, go through walls and all of that, you know. And so they show up, and Thomas isn't there. And a few days later, Thomas shows up. But before, he goes, look, I hear what you're saying. You're telling me that Jesus was here. I'm telling you, I ain't believing. He said, matter of fact, the only way I'll believe is if I can put my finger in the hole and my hand in the side. only way I'm going to believe. Well, a few days later, Thomas shows up, or Jesus shows up again. And this time, Thomas is there. And without any introduction, Jesus looks at him and says, "This, hey Thomas, come here. Put the finger in my wound. Put the hand in my side." And of course, Thomas just like you know, you know, Jesus said something like, "Like, don't quit being faithless." But but the bottom line is Thomas. He, didn't, he all of a sudden he didn't have to put his finger there. He didn't have to put his hand here. He exclaimed, "My Lord and my God." Nothing done, said. And the second part of that story is, and the reason I included this story is that was his resurrected body, and I believe that's a strong indication that when we get to heaven and we see Jesus face to face, the wounds, the scars are going to be there. The scars are going to be here. And for all eternity, those scars will proclaim His great love for us. How great, how great is your love for me. For God so loved the world That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he loved us so much. You know, he he allowed his son to become sin on the cross and turned his back on his son. Because he loved us so much. A love beyond. A mother's love is wonderful. A mother's love is wonderful. Let me read it to you again. You know, I'll love you forever. Boy, that's good. I'll like you for always. Did you know God likes you too? I I believe that. As long as I'm living, that's forever. My baby, you'll be. My child, you'll be. Turns out it's a pretty description of God's love, isn't it? And my question is this. If you've never received that love and that forgiveness, how would you like the chance to do that today? Not talking about religion, not talking about church, not talking about keeping score, starting this, stopping that, keeping rules. How would you like to have a relationship with the creator God of the universe who loves you so much? He allowed his son Jesus down a cross for you. That's our offer. That's his offer, not ours. That's his offer today. It would be my privilege to stand down front this morning. And if you'd like to come and say, hey, how can I receive that great gift? How can that happen in my life? And we'll be glad to share with you um, today. As always, the altar is open. we don't come come and pray for somebody. Maybe you know someone who's never received this great gift. Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's your child. And why don't you like to come and pray for them? And that would be a good thing. That would be a good thing. So would you bow your heads there? Oh, Father, thank you so very much for the high privilege, the high privilege, Father, teaching these truths today. Father, we need to let you help us to marinate in this. We've got to marinate it in our hearts. Let them soak in, Father. Father, help us to understand the need to exotically worship you in wonderful ways. Help us not to be bound by our own restrictions, but to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, thank you for that privilege. Help us always remember it's all about you and not about us. Thank you for loving us. How great is your love? Enough that you allowed Jesus to die and that he was willing to die on a cross, a Roman cross, for us. Forget us? You said never. Ignore us? You said never. And we believe that today. Help us never to believe our circumstances over your word. Help us today. So this time now becomes your time. Speak to hearts as you can and will. And Jesus, I pray it in your name. Amen.